was sitting with my friend Arthur Kornblum in a restaurant. It was a Horn and Dalet cafeteria. And this beautiful girl walked in, and I turned to Arthur, and I said, Arthur, you see that girl? I'm going to marry her. And two weeks later, we were married. And it's over 50 years later, and we are still married. Well, good evening, friends. How are we doing today? Wonderful. If you have Bibles or phone apps, swipe on open to Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to look at a verse there. And if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Doug. I give leadership to this gathering of young adults here called The Table. And we are so excited that you've chosen to gather with us for this next four-week leg of our message series, these series of talks we have uh, on friendship called Friends Plus. And uh, if you don't know where we've been, I want to encourage you to go to our YouTube page at The Table Orlando on Instagram or go to search for The Table Orlando. You can watch the last two messages. Uh, But we've been talking about this idea uh, that uh, what God wants us to do is just build friendships broadly. And then once we put everybody into our friend zone, as it were, uh, that gives us all kinds of freedom to flex into other types of relationships out of that. For example, what we'll talk about today is You can have this group of friends that are your friends, and then if one of them rises to the top and you like spending one-on-one time with them, you can add dating to that friendship. That's friends plus dating. You can do that. And if in that process it doesn't work out, well, you can always just go back to being friends, but it doesn't work the other way, right? Uh, We pursue the friends with benefit path, and it's a lot of benefits and not a lot of friendship. And then if that doesn't work out, which it always does, right, you're like, well, I just want to be friends. And they're like, we weren't friends, though. And so then it's, it's no more. And so we've been really talking in and leaning into this idea of building friendships and asking the question, what would it look like if in Orlando we all just strive to build friendships with as many people as we can to really increase that friend zone? And I wanted to start off uh, in this message series uh, looking at a couple who's been married for 50 years, kind of this couple on the screen there, um, because I'm aware that in this room, not many of us know people who've been married for a long time. Many of us grew up uh, like I did in broken homes where parents got divorced, and so we've never really seen a successful marriage, um, and that's impacted us in the way that we build relationships, because for us, relationships are very fluid. They come, they go, and so maybe dating is just kind of one of those kinds of things that happens, but I wanted to start off with this image of a, 50, a couple been mar- that's been married for 50 years, I should say, because that's where our, I would love for all of us to be. Uh, My dream, our dream for y'all, if you're someone who's here today and you say, I think marriage is in my future, my dream for every one of us is that we would be in a marriage that lasts forever. We get married and then one of us dies before the other one and we bury them and then we die and that's it, right? That's marriage. Someone's calling me on my phone here. That's a scammer. Not today, Satan. Uh... (laughs) So that's our dream. My prayer for all of y'all is that if, if marriage is in your future, that God has you married to someone for a long, long time. But that idea of being married for a long, long time may seem like pie in the sky. Again, if you grew up in a broken home or you haven't ever experienced that, if you don't have grandparents who are married forever, right? You're just kind of like, that seems like it's a really far, far away, away from right now. And so what I want to do today is just try to help us uh, 
take that big, long, uh, scary process of getting married uh, and being married forever and try to break it down into bite-sized, manageable steps to get from here to there. And just to set all this up, I want to show you guys this picture, a couple of pictures. On the screen right now, you're going to see this picture of me. Remember, I talked about my best friend Brad last week who does the Tangled series on Disney+. Plus. That's him. with the So me, I'm the Arrow guy, right? Uh, with a 1996 haircut uh, in Palestine, Texas. And then Brad's right there with his eyes closed just to the I guess to the, what is that, left of me? Yeah, there you go. Uh, But that's me. And the reason I show this picture is because this is 15-year-old Doug. Uh, And let me tell you about 15-year-old Doug. I don't know anything about marriage, okay? This is the year that my parents got a divorce. I don't know anything about staying married forever. I'm not a Christian in this photo. I don't know anything about following Jesus. Uh, I don't know anything. But this was the year when Brad and I started having these conversations, and Brad was always a little more socially aware than I was. Uh, you, I don't know if you can imagine this. I was this tall in eighth grade, so I was six, one and a half, yeah, uh, but like 130, 140 pounds, right? Uh, so, and I ran track, and I played in the band in East Texas, right? For some of you playing, like running track, it was like, that was really cool. In East Texas, you played football and you played baseball. I played neither. So, right. And then I was in the band, which was kind of like the halftime show of the football contest. You guys have seen Friday Night Lights, you know the deal. So I was not like the most socially hipster person in the world. I collected comic books. Okay. Uh, yeah, this was my whole thing. I was in Boy Scouts. You guys are getting the picture here, I think. Okay. Uh, I was a nerd. Um, and so Brad was a little more socially advanced, and so I remember him one day uh, right around this, this age where he said, hey, Doug, you got to start dating. And I was like, what do you mean i got to start dating? He's like, hey, man, everybody's dating now. And I was like, well, okay, what do I, like, what do, I do? He's like, get a girlfriend. I was like, well, like, how do you do that? He's like, I don't know, just find a girl and tap her on the shoulder and say, do you want to date? I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I was like, do you have a girlfriend? He's like, Yeah. I was like, okay. So I just like, you know, tapped a girl on the shoulder like, hey, do you want to be my girlfriend? She was like, I don't know. I was like, well, you want to just like try? She was like, sure. I was like, okay. So then I would, I would see Brad and I'd be like, so man, we're in the cafeteria dating. He's like, yeah. I had no clue what I was doing, right? But I was dating. I was like, yeah, I'm dating. And so Brad's like, so are you calling her? We didn't have text messages at this time. You had to call or write notes in class. Hey, you calling her? I didn't know anything about calling her. He's like, yeah, you got to call her. How often? Probably every day. Every day I've got to call her? Oh, my gosh. And so I was like, I'd get home, and I'd open up my little, you know, trapper keeper, my Lisa Frank trapper keeper, and I'd be like, okay, write a note to call girlfriend. Like, hey. But I'd call, I'd be like, hey, this is Doug, um, your boyfriend. Um, So, like, what's up? (laughs) That's it. I didn't know anything about dating, and here's the reason why. I understood the, the process, that dating was some kind of process, but I didn't know where I should start in dating, and I sure didn't know where I should end in dating. I just knew you were supposed to be in the process, and my suspicion is a lot of you feel sometimes like I did when I was in eighth grade, like you've just been dropped into the social world, and everyone around you is getting on Instagram or Facebook or wherever they do things, Tinder, whatever, Bumble, whatever, right? Uh, yik-yak, too old? Too old? Yeah, we're not talking about weed. Okay, so, 
right? You get on your thing and you just like call, you're like, oh, I'm dating somebody. And it's like you post your pics and all you know is to like post pics, but you have no idea where this is going and you have no idea where it's starting. That was me in eighth grade. My suspicion in talking to a lot of us is that's where a lot of us are today. We know we should be dating, but we don't know what it's supposed to do. We understand one of the three factors needed. Well, let me show this next photo here. Yeah, so this is Doug and Natalie. Uh, 2002, 18 years ago today, I asked my wife out for the first time. Yeah, February 4th, 2002, shout out. February 5th, tomorrow, 2002, our first date, Johnny Carino's, Waco, Texas. Uh, it was a good scene. Well, uh, this was maybe like a few weeks later. We, my college ministry, young adult ministry we were part of, we had this uh, swing dance. We rented out this hall, and we threw on swing music, and everybody was like, ah, right, doing their thing. Well, I didn't know how to, like, so we were on the leadership team of this college ministry. We threw this party. I didn't know how to swing dance, okay? This is important. So Natalie and I are dating. I've now figured out kind of by this point who I should date. I knew the starting point. And dating the process, I still didn't really have a clear understanding of where it was going. Again, as I told you guys last week, I was a pretty toxic person, and I'm going to show you exactly how I was a toxic person in just a second. Uh, so I knew you should date Christian girls. I knew they should be friends. Natalie and I had kind of had that. We started dating a little bit, but I was still, you know, as I mentioned last week, I was dating her kind of for all the wrong reasons. It was all about me, whatever. And so we get to this night, and we're dating, and Natalie is a pretty good dancer, and I am not a good dancer because I'm Baptist. Uh, right, so we're doing the thing, and she keeps stopping me in the middle of the swing music going, no, 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 you're not doing it right. I'm like, well, what do you mean do it right? She's like, I don't know how to explain it. Just, you know, you got to do your thing. And I was like, I don't know what this means. So we dance more, and she'd stop and be like, oh, you're stepping on my feet. You're not doing it right. And finally, she made her fatal mistake. She goes, well, no, John over there really knows how to dance, so can you dance more like John? And I look over at John, and he is literally, like, twirling a girl around him like a hula hoop, throwing her in the air, like, flexing Tebow style and catching her. And I'm, it's like watching this, like, ballroom master, right? Like, Britt Nelson is out there doing her ballroom, professional ballroom dancing thing. You guys didn't know this, Britt Nelson, professional ballroom dancer. Shout out, Britt. Um, you guys on YouTube may not see that, but Britt Nelson, who's on our team, is right down here, and she's a ballroom dancer. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> photos next week? Okay, cool. Yep. So uh, this is me as a selfish, toxic person. I go, okay, well, if you want to dance with John, then go dance with him. And then I walked to my truck, and I got in it, and I drove away. <laughs> and the whole time I'm driving, I'll go, that'll teach you to one-up me in a dance place. <laughs> Got to draw that line, you know? This is what men folk do. Not realizing I was part of the leadership team responsible for setting up and tearing down the party. <laughs> oh, and I was Natalie's ride. <laughs> okay, are you guys getting, like, you're realizing what a toxic person I was and how thankful I am that Natalie loved me enough to be a friend to me, to help me understand how to be a better person? Right, anyway. So here's the thing. At this point, I understood who to date, and a little bit how to date, although you guys might take issue with that, right? But I still didn't understand this trajectory thing, this thing that should have been driving me forward. So that was this photo. That's 2002, 18 years ago. Let's show you this one. This was from just last year, about two months ago, three months ago. Natalie and I, uh, we have been married 15, almost 16 years. Okay, shout out to Natalie. 
And we were going to see the Downton Abbey movie, and so we dressed up real fancy, and we got a babysitter, and we went to go see the Downton Abbey movie, and it was awesome. And I'm just showing that photo because I'm bragging on how beautiful my wife is, uh, but also because let me, let me just say where we are now. Um, I know who you should start dating, and I have a good sense of what that process of dating is and what it can produce in you and in the other person. And now on almost 16 years on the other side, I understand and can see how dating the process is connected integrally, uh, integrally to the process of a sustainable, thriving marriage. And so Today, I don't come as a couple who's been married for 50 years, but I do come as someone who's been married for 16 years. And again, my heartbeat for every one of us is that we would come to, to see and to value what dating could be if it's, if it's done within a range of healthy and what it can produce in each of us in terms of godliness and discipleship. And my prayer is that it would just produce all of these couples that would just emerge out of this room that you would date, you would find your mate, and you would get married, and you'd be married for 50 years, and it would just produce this generation of people in Orlando and all over the world who just, they just ooze Jesus in the way that they live in their marriages. And so if you're up for just kind of having a conversation about that, uh, I'm up for talking about that. You guys down for this? I realize I just said up and down, so pick a preposition, Doug. Let's go. You guys up for this? There we go. All right, so you got Bibles. Open them to Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to look at verse 24. This is going to be an incredibly practical message. I'm just going to give you guys a lot of practical data. And I'm using this microphone instead of the Brittany microphone because uh, I I, I have a feeling I might cough tonight, and I want to be able to go, and you guys not hear that. So are we cool with this? You guys okay? People on camera? Okay, cool. Proverbs 18, 24. Again, we've been looking at what Solomon, David, King David's son, uh, Solomon was once king of Israel, what he uh, wrote about friendship, because he has a lot to say about friendship, and we'll look at some other verses too, but here's the verse we're going to focus on today. Solomon writes, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let me read it again. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Up to this point, if you're paying attention, Solomon has now given us five levels of friendship. The first is the fool. That's the bottom level, okay? Or I would say five levels of relationship. So there's the fool, okay? Last week, we looked at trying to eliminate most of the fools from our life, the toxic people who bring us harm. Got to get, get those out of our life as much as we can. The next layer up from that is the companion. This is who he's talking about now. A companion is an acquaintance. You can think about them like Facebook friends, okay? You're like, sure, yeah. That's the whole totality of your friendship. You're like, did I know you in second grade? Except, okay? And that's it. That's, I mean, they kind of know you. They kind of, they, they know your picture. But you guys aren't like aren't connecting on any deep level. It's an acquaintance. This would maybe be like a work friend or a work acquaintance, a school friend, a school acquaintance. Someone you might see if you're walking around, like if you're at Disney Springs and you're walking around, you see them, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. But you're not stopping to talk to them or going, how are you? Okay, this is a companion, The next layer up from that is a friend. And we learned in week one, a friend is someone who loves at all times. They love with a consistent kind of love. And that consistency breeds momentum, which is called friendship. Up from a friend is family or a brother. So when when Solomon's using this term, loves closer than a brother, you can think closer than a family member. 
And um, I think brother is a really interesting term here. Uh, anybody ever had to go on a long road trip with your family and you get the two queen beds and there's four of you? And you're doing the math, show of hands, anybody on one of those things? Right, okay, we know what's up. You gotta sleep with the brother or you gotta sleep with the sister. You guys know what, what I'm, and you, you have to negotiate how the body position's gonna go because even though it's a queen size bed, you're pretty sure it's a full. Uh, and even though it's a full, you're pretty sure it's a twin. Uh, as soon as you get in, you put the covers on and you have that one moment where you're like, this is awkward. Uh, and then you kind of scoot to protect yourself a little. but. So you get that close awkwardness. This is like a camp bunk bed situation. This is, a, this is one of those things where you are really, really close. And what Solomon is saying is there's actually a friend out there, a kind of friendship you can have that's closer than that. It's more intimate than awkward brothers on a hotel bed. It, it's a super intimate, they know you kind of relationship. And he said, this is something in contrast to the companion of fools. So there's family, and then the top one is a friend closer than a brother. So around here, one of the things we say whenever we do this dating series, we say most relationships progress in the following fashion, right? Everyone starts at the table, right? And you can get a decent level of friendship there. But real community starts on the couch when you get into a missional community, because now you're on the couch. you got to negotiate with people, right? Okay, I want the right-hand side of the couch. I want the left-hand side. Oh, i got to sit in the middle like it's an airplane. Okay, right? That whole thing. So community is on the couch, but then deeper community happens in the bedroom, right? Either because you get married to somebody or because you decide to be a roommate in the kind of scenario we're talking about here. But the deepest level of community happens in the bathroom, right? Because there's no coming back from that. You are completely exposed, it's the toilet situation. It's the teeth brushing situation. It's all of that. You got, I mean, some of you are just like, I can't believe you talk about that. And you have roommates and you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? There is no hiding in the bathroom. Listen, let me just go ahead and give you guys a preview. You're, you know, by God's grace, many of you are going to get married one day and you're going to go on your honeymoon and you're going to get to your hotel room and you're going to be like, the place we're doing it. Wow. This is incredible. Maybe I'm just talking about the guys, but the guys are just like, yes, this is the sex room. I've been waiting all my life for this moment. You see the bed and you're like, ah, and you're like, this is it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is why I've been following you, right? What you don't know is your wife has glitter in her hair, fellas, and it's going to take her nine hours just to get the pins and the glitter out of her hair. So you're like, you know, guys are just like tucks off, Right? And you're ready to go, and then you're sitting on the bed on your phone, like, three hours later, you're like, uh, how, mu how much longer? And uh, she's like, oh, a little bit longer. You're like, okay, right? And then you have kind of the bed moment, and it's a magical thing. I'm just trying to tell you guys. It's a magical thing, and you're like, man, honeymoon is amazing. There's a bed and sex, and there's, like, there's no rules or restrictions here. It's the bed and sex, and this is amazing. And then you look over at one point while you're kind of just sitting there happy in your marriage, and you notice there's that, that door and inside of it is a bathroom. And you go, ooh, I did not calculate the bathroom portion of this honeymoon situation. We should have sprung for the two-bedroom, uh, right? And then you have to have that calculus moment the third day on the honeymoon when you haven't gone to the bathroom because you're not ready to go into that world. So you go, Oh, honey, I'm just going to go work out one second. Just, you know, I'm just going to go work out. And you go to the first floor because that's got to be your bathroom situation. 
But you inevitably are going to get to a point on the honeymoon or in that first week or two or month of marriage where you can't hide it anymore. You have to go to the bathroom and everyone has to smell everything. Right? Look, I'm trying to be honest with you. There is no hiding in the bathroom. And this is what Solomon is saying. In marriage, you find that person who is closer than a brother. There is the bathroom negotiation with this person, and they love you anyway. They see you brush your teeth, and you do the dog thing, where instead of waiting till all the foam has built up in your mouth, you just kind of tongue, and you let it drain out like it's a thunderstorm in June in Orlando and going down the gutter into the sink. And the other person is like, oh my gosh, why would you do it that way? That's so inefficient and gross. Why would you do that, right? And they love you anyway. <laughs> this is it. This is what Solomon is talking about. The, the highest layer of friendship that anyone can have in this world is a friend who loves you closer than a brother on a hotel bed. Couples, married couples are in there. Truth, truth I'm saying? Okay, truth, Roberto and Christy, truth, right? This is what it is. So here's why I want to start here. This is God's vision for what marriage is going to be for you. You are going to love that person on the honeymoon with the bathroom, smelling all kinds of things and having all kinds of things in the sink. And you're going to love that person anyway. And you're going to love them when, they, when your wife gives birth and she comes back and like body has shifted a little bit. And wife is going to love husband uh, when the dad bod kicks in and he's no longer the hunk of hunk of burning love, right? The six packs turn into a keg. You guys know what I'm talking about here, right? And, and they're going to love you into old age when things start creaking and you have to start replacing things. And you're going to love them until one of them dies and the other one loves them on bedside and then puts them into the ground. That's marriage. And so with that in mind, the dating process has to get us ready for that kind of reality. And so in light of that, I want to, I want to uh, ask or answer uh, three kinds of questions, maybe four, uh, and I, I think maybe they're on your screen, I'm not sure, but here, here they are. Question number one, what's the description of the kind of friend I should marry? Uh, and that is, that's what we just talked about. So we've answered that. The description of the kind of friend that I should marry is this friend uh, who loves me closer than a brother, and I love them closer than a brother. That's the kind of friend we should marry. Number two, what are some guidelines for a healthy date structure? If I'm going to move towards that, then how do I step into this process of dating? How does that work? Number three, how will I know if I want to keep dating this person? Okay, I've dated once. I'm not sure if I want a second one. Is there some guidelines that will help me work through that? And then finally, if we've been dating, how will I know if this dating process has produced the friend I need to marry? How do I know we've arrived at that point where we're ready to move from dating maybe casually or as friends, to dating exclusively and, and starting to get ready to be engaged. And so I just want to answer those really uh, practically here. And so if you're a note taker, I want to encourage you to get the phones or whatever note taking devices you have. And we're just going to walk through this. All right. So this question here first, what are some guidelines for healthy date structure? And let me just say this up front. I don't know that dating is necessarily biblical. I don't know that it's necessarily not biblical. I think the way that we culturally date is incredibly unbiblical at times. And so I'm going to try to redeem the process of dating in a way that, that's uh, fueled by Scripture and tries to give us just some healthy pathway here towards this friend who loves us closer than the brother. Okay, so here's what you can remember about uh, healthy dating, especially if you're someone who's never gone on a date. Uh, maybe you're someone who has gone on dates. And this is even true 
if you are a couple who's been married for a couple of years. Um, Britt and Mike are doing a great job with our couples missional community. We've started five couples life groups in the last six months. Uh, we have tons of people who are getting married. And you can clap for that. That's okay. Yeah. Like, shout out couples. Here's the thing. Sometimes, uh, you know what's harder than dating as a single? Dating as a couple. And so I'm writing all of this and explaining all of this and, and, and speaking all of this in a way that applies not only to folks here who are single, but also to folks who are couples. Because couples need to keep being reminded that dating it can be a, a, a core discipline of married life. Okay? And I want you to remember the acronym TOASTER. Okay? Toaster. So I got this toaster here I took from an office. Don't tell anybody. Uh, I promise I'll bring it back. And toaster forms the acronym here that we're going to look at. So it goes like this. How, how do I step into this process of dating? Number one, talk. Don't text. Okay? Imagine you have this group of friends. Okay? You've put people in your friendship group, and there's just been one or two people that have emerged, and you're like, I really like them. I see some potential things in them, and I want to maybe just explore what it would look like to kind of have a one-on-one relationship with them moving forward. Here's how to move from that thought into dating. Talk, don't text. In other words, talk to them and ask them if they want to go on a date, eyeball to eyeball, okay? Now, men, let me talk to you for a little bit, then ladies, I want to talk to you. Men, eyeball to eyeball, but not like nose to nose. That's too close. Eyeball to eyeball in the same room. Hey, you got a second? Hey, I just wanted to ask you, would you be willing to go to coffee, right? A great, safe way to start this off is, hey, would you be willing to go to coffee? Now, remember, these are friends of yours. So you're not asking a complete stranger. You're in a life group with them. You're in missional community with them. You've seen them around. You've spent some time in group settings, and you're just going, hey, we spent time in group settings. Would you be interested in going to coffee? But you ask them in person, don't slide into their DMs with something cryptic. Hey, I had fun at church with you the other day, and uh, I noticed there was coffee there. <laughs> because what logical human being is like, here it is, my moment. They don't know. And don't be like, hey, girl, you want to go to coffee? Girls, if a guy slides into your DMs and tries to ask you out, I want you to type this back. Just be prepared, okay? You need to write this down. This is gold I'm giving you. Ask me in person, yo. Hey, hey, you're going to have to ask me in person. I don't respond through DMs. So ask me in person next time you see me, okay? Let him know what your standard is. No, you got to ask me in person because here's the thing. If you're going to be the person who takes care of me when I'm dying one day, I need you to be responsible today. Start practicing responsibility today, okay? So guys, guys, listen. I want you to practice. In fact, if you're a single dude who has to ask a girl out in the future, go ahead and stand up right now. We're going to practice this. Yeah, seriously, single dudes, stand up. Stand up, stand up. Listen, listen, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, hey, there is no shame in this. Listen, 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 listen. Are we listening? These dudes right here, listen. These dudes right here, if they step into this, are gonna change the world, all right? So as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're gonna encourage the crap out of them right now, okay? So you look at these dudes. If you're not, if you're not one of the dudes standing up, you just look at them and you say, you go for it, dude. Okay, we're encouraging you. Dudes, repeat after me. Repeat after me. Ready? Hey, would you like to go to coffee with me? That's it, fellas. I'm telling you, that's the key. Shout out. You guys got this. Okay, you guys can sit down. That's it. Look them in the eye and you just take responsibility for your life. Hey, would you like to go to coffee with me? That's it. Again, these are people 
you have cultivated friendships with. They already have told you they like you as a friend. Okay, girls, can I talk to you? If a guy in your friend group asks you to coffee and you're not just like violently opposed to it, can I encourage you to really consider saying yes? Okay, you are not committing, listen. You are not committing to getting married to them. You're not. You're just saying, in fact, you could say this, ladies. I would love to go on a date with you as friends. That's great. I would love to go on a date with you as friends. You never know what might happen. Again, you might add dating to friendship, and it might go somewhere. Or you might add this date to the friendship, and it might not. But that dude just stood up and took responsibility. And if you're not violently opposed to him, just go, sure, I'd love to go to coffee with you. Okay? It's coffee. It's $5. Okay? You're probably just binge-watching Netflix later. Okay, I'm just saying. So just think about it like, okay, it's a 30-minute commitment. Let's just check this out. But listen, if you're violently opposed, say no politely. And the best way to do that is to go, man, thank you so much for having the courage to ask me. I'm probably going to say no, but thank you anyway. And that's okay. And if guys, if the girl says that to you, you just go, I appreciate you, sister. Mm." Right? (laughs) You go, girl. I'm proud of you. Way to set a boundary. This is me not being creepy. I'm respecting that boundary. Okay, so talk, don't text. Okay, here's the next one. Okay, organize around meals. Organize your dates around meals. Why? Because people got to eat. I see, listen, I see people make this really difficult. They, again, because our culture tells us to be elaborate, they go like this. They're like, hey, do you want to go out? And the girl's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, we're going to do all four parks in one day. And then we're going to get on a private plane. We're going to fly to Tahiti. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, look, organize around meals. They got to eat. You got to eat. There's a convenience of needs that takes place there. Meet them there. You're going to eat later. I'm going to eat later. Organize around meals. Besides, in Acts 2, as uh, Luke is describing community, he says that community always tends to happen around meals. So break bread together. Or get coffee and get a Danish or whatever, right? Just... Have something there where you, you, you know, you're having some kind of meal together. There's something that's bonding about that experience. So organize around meals. Can you, you want to go to coffee? Would you like to go to dinner? Would you like to go to lunch? Would you like to go to breakfast? If they're not a morning person, don't be creepy. Just, I'm just keeping that in mind. All right. So talk, don't text. Organize around meals. And A, accountability matters. Accountability matters for two reasons. One, if you're single, uh, there is safety and accountability, I'm meeting this guy at this neutral location where we're going to have coffee. I'm letting a girl know about that. I'm sharing my find my iPhone with her, right? All that stuff. Again, you're assuming he's in your friend group, so you already have established kind of a a domain of safety with them. But it's just safe for both the girls and the guys to know what's going on here. Here's the thing for couples where I'm going to make this apply to you guys. Accountability. No iPhones on the date, okay? And I'm saying this as the chief offender. I am, Natalie and I will go to dates and I'll be like, man, I'm so glad to spend time with you. Oh, I got this text message. Oh, that's weird. And next thing you know, for 10 minutes, I've been on my phone. I'm, I'm totally rude uh, with her. We're not connecting. I'm not treating her as a friend who knows her better than her family. And so for accountability, uh, uh, couples, no phones, right? Guys and couples, no phones, but accountability for other people, for singles, for safety. All right. Number four, so T-O-A-S. Remember that stories stick. So if you don't know what to do and you're kind of in that spot, you're like, how's your day? Good, how's your day? Good. (sighs) Right? 
here's how you transition. Hey, so tell me a story about, right? This is a great phrase. Natalie and I use this all the time. Tell me a story about, hey, tell me your story. Uh, where you, where'd you come from? Where are you going? I think I know a little bit about it, but tell me a story about you, okay? Everyone likes to talk about themselves, okay? Even introverts. Introverts are like, I don't like to talk about myself. And then two coffees in are like, let me tell you my whole story, right? <laughs> so just ask stories. Like, hey, tell me a story about. This is good for singles who are getting to know one another in a friendship date. Couples. Hey, tell me a story about your day, okay? I always assume that my wife knows everything that I know, like we have a shared iCloud account for our brains, so that everything I experience, she experiences. So I get home and I'm like, man, the craziest thing. And she's like, what? I'm like, what? She's like, what? I'm like, what? I have to tell her what I'm thinking about. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. So we've gotten in the habit of going, tell me about your day. Tell me the story of your day. How did this work? Stories stick, and stories help glue the conversation together together, and give you the best possible opportunity to kind of move on from that. So T-O-A-S-T, time it right, time it right. So timing is so important. Let me give you three pieces of timing that are key here, okay? Uh, one to three hours for a date. Generally, no less than one, and let me just strongly encourage this, generally no more than three. Again, you don't want to be like, hey, let's go to coffee. Oh, the coffee was good. Let's go to dinner. Okay, dinner was good. Uh, let's go to Vegas and get married, right? All in one kind of thing. Everyone has had that, that first date that goes for like seven hours. You can't come back from that, guys. You can't. Date number two is going to be a letdown. So uh, here's the thing. I, I would strongly encourage, again, the goal is I'm trying to get to know if maybe you could be that friend who's closer than a brother. And the first date, bite-sized chunks, at least an hour. Some of you will go, I can't go on a date. I don't have the time. Well, how much time do you have? I have an hour. Okay, then you can go on a date, okay? It doesn't have to be elaborate. I'm trying to get to know who you are. And so would an hour at a coffee shop be out of your way? It can work. Okay, great. That's a date. That counts, okay? So one to three hours kind of per date. General guidelines. This is not like if it's three hours and 30 minutes, Jesus is going, it's three hours and 30 minutes, move along, right? This is not from Jesus, this is from Doug. Can I be clear on this? Okay, one to three hours, once a week, okay? Just once a week. I see couples uh, who will form, they go on their first date and it's seven hours and that's on a Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, they go on another like four hour date and then by Saturday, they're living together. Like it just, you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like give yourself some space to kind of get to know the person. Again, the whole goal of this is trying to figure out if you're a friend that's closer than brother. Um, let me also say this, and this is really important, timing. Rule around here at the table. You can ask a girl out once. If she says yes, great. If she says no, you may not ask her out again. Okay? Do you all hear ladies clapping? That's because some of us are a little over eager. And I'm not mad at you, fellas, but if a girl says no, respect the boundary. Listen to her. Prove to her that you're a person of peace and you're a safe friend. Toxic friends are like, I know you said no yesterday, but today, like, hey, just assume it hasn't changed. If it's going to change, she'll come up and she'll tell you it's changed. You should ask me out again. So let me, let me make it really easy because girls are smart. Guys are dumb sometimes. I'm a guy. I'm speaking for this, right? Okay, so girls... If maybe a guy's asked you out and you said no initially, but you're kind of warming to that idea, this is what we recommend around here. You walk up to him. Again, remember, he's in your friend group, and you say, hey, if you ask me out for coffee now, I would say yes. And then you turn and walk away and give him a chance. Listen, give him a chance to pursue a little bit, okay? 
I'm not opposed to girls putting it out there because guys sometimes are scared. We're scared, right? Y'all are beautiful. We're ugly. There's a gap there, okay? It's like we're walking up to the princess and we're the ugly monster and we're like, uh, me one go on date with you, right? <laughs> so we got some insecurities. So girls, make it easy on us, okay? You go, hey, listen, if you ask me out on a date, I would say, I would say yes. If, I, if you ask me out to coffee, I would say yes. And so guys, ask out once. If she says no, move along, Okay? Don't ask a second time. Like, seriously, like, don't ask a second time because now you're being a jerk. And I love you, and I just, I don't want you to be a jerk. So there we go. All right, timing. Next, E, evaluate the date. You've gone on the date. You're now done. I think it'd be really good either on the date or maybe in text message later to go, hey, just following up with you. I had a good time. What did you think? Okay. Why? Because you're trying to figure out, is this a one-time thing or is this moving on to something else? And I think that's totally appropriate. Because oftentimes the guy won't text because he's not sure what the girl is thinking and she's waiting for him to text because she wants to know what he's thinking. And then they're just playing like the most awkward game of text Cold War strategy ever. They're just like, I don't know. And you get on and the girl is watching and it's just three dots. It's just three dots forever. Oh, well, text me. And the guy's like, do I send a GIF? Do I text? I don't know. Right. So just I'm, I'm telling everybody now so that you guys start dating each other. You all heard it from me. It's totally okay to go, hey, I had a great time. How, how did you think it went? And we all have on, uh, freedom to be honest. Hey, I had a great time too. There's probably not going to be a second one. And again, guys, you go, cool, appreciate you, girl. Thanks for letting me know. And you move along, right? But if she says, hey, I had a really great time too, then if you want to have a second date, you go, would you like to have a second date? Okay? And we'll talk about how to move into that in just a little bit. So you should evaluate. And then finally, remember the purpose. At all points, remember the purpose of this date is not for you to fill your ego. And the purpose of this date is not for you to have some physical companionship. This date I've just been explaining does not involve sex or kissing or holding hands or making out or exchanging I love yous or bringing roses. Guys, don't bring roses to this coffee date, okay? Like, ladies, don't wear your most provocative outfit to this coffee date. Guys, don't wear your most provocative outfit to the coffee date, okay? Brazilians, okay? I love you. Don't show up in the Speedo and be like, oh, is this a date? I thought I was going to the beach. Right? This is not what we're doing, okay? And I love you. I love you. You're my people, okay? But listen, I'm just, I'm, I'm talking. Okay. So the purpose of this is for you to try to figure out before God and with this person, is this, could this person possibly be my friend who loves me closer than brother? Okay. So how do I know if I should go on another, uh, uh, oh, I can't talk, another date? How do I know? Uh, we've just evaluated. Hey, I liked it. I liked it too. You want to go on another date? Sure, sure. Okay, in my own heart, if, let's say I'm on date two. Let's say I'm on date three. Let's say I'm on date four. How do I know if this is tracking in the right direction? Is this just we're bored and we're lonely and we're on this date, or is there something more going on? So uh, three tests. There's a three C test here that we recommend. It's you're looking for character. You're looking for chemistry. You're looking for competency. And let me talk about each of these. So you're on date two, you're on date three, you're on date four. Um, what you're asking is, hey, um, is, is, is there consistent uh, character going on here? Is who she is in public the same as who she is in private? Is there a gap? How wide is the gap? Are they the same person? Uh, is, are things internally consistent in their own life? If they say, I love this and I hate this, 
Do they consistently live that out, meal to meal to meal to meal, date to date to date? Um, is the kind of language that he uses consistent with who he says he is, okay? What are their patterns, okay? What are their patterns? Uh, and is that consistent? And you're just trying to figure that out. And so, again, you're on a date with somebody, and they go, man, I just, I love Jesus, and uh, I love worship music, and that's all I listen to. And you're like, okay, cool. So they kind of, you know, because a lot of us will put our best foot forward. We'll put on our church face for the first date. But by date four, you know, we, we're like, we've moved on to where I can pick you up. And so he picks her up and gets in the car, and it's, it's just like Metallica, right, straight off, Okay. <laughs> He's like, I love the Black Album. So good. Can't believe they got passed over at the Grammys for Jethro Tull. It was a travesty, 1992. Or maybe that was just me. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, so you're doing this whole thing, right? And then she's like, well, I thought you only listened to worship music. It would have been okay if you listened to non-worship music. That's okay, but you told me you listen to only worship music. There is a gap here between what you say and what you do, right? And... Again, none of us are going to be perfect, but I think what you're looking for is a, a, a teachability and a, an increasingly closing gap between what you say and do, your public and your private, making sure they're the same. Because again, if you're going to be the person who loves me on my deathbed, uh, I want to know you're not going to pull the plug, <laughs> okay? Uh, just selfishly, I want to know that you're like, you're like, hey, we signed that thing. You're not going to pull the plug. And they're like, okay. And then right as you're on your deathbed, you're like, I love you. And they're like, I love you too. And then you're like, inner Sandman. Doom, da, 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 doom. And you pull the plug, right? You didn't know I was going to work that Metallica reference back in, but not many of you know that album. And so that joke really fell flat. Moving on. <laughs> Character test. Then there's the chemistry test. Do we have chemistry? Do we have chemistry together? Uh, is there some kind of spark there? And I found that most of us struggle with this one, and so I want to break this down into a couple of categories. Essentially, I think you should have one or more of these five overlapping uh, categories present in the relationship as you're on dates. Number one, I mean, they're up here. So we have a shared experience, okay? Something in our lives. I'm from Texas. You're from Texas. Cool, okay? Uh, You know, I was born in 1995. You were born in 1995. Awesome, right? Okay, we have a shared experience. We have a shared need, Uh, I need to find rent in Orlando that's affordable. So do I. Awesome, right? Like, should we get married? That would be fun on multiple levels because we could share the expense there. Uh, Number three, we have a shared goal. I'm ambitious. You're ambitious. I'm a creative. You're creative. I'm going to the medical industry. I'm moving into a career in the medical industry. There's overlap, right? Your gifts serve me. So I really need someone who is clean and orderly. You really need to be clean and orderly. It's a match made in heaven, okay? This is me and Natalie. I didn't know I needed to be clean and orderly. Natalie is like super clean and orderly. You guys may know this because I've, I've told us several times. We get back from our honeymoon. I'm just like, this is amazing. Friday night, we're going to sleep. I'm going to wake up Saturday. We're going to sleep in. It's awesome. Saturday morning, 7 a.m. in our apartment in Waco, Texas. I wake up and I'm like, dear, uh, sweet one, my love, my beautiful. Uh, what is going on here? And she just, <laughs> if you know Natalie, it's, it's totally her. She just kind of stops. Click. It's Saturday. We clean on Saturdays. Mm, right? Now, early on, I was like, that is not my favorite thing in the world because I like to sleep on Saturdays. Now, 16 years later, I love her clean and organizational skills because it allows us to scale ministry way, 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 way up. We are able to host people and take care of people, and she keeps it ordered and administrated, and it's amazing. I didn't know that I had that need, 
But what I found in the process is that her gifts really serve me in that way. She helps keep me clean and organized because I'm a very messy person. And so I appreciate that. Finally, my gifts serve you. Hey, I'm really ambitious. I'm really career-driven, whatever. You may struggle with that. I'm really social. You're not. I can help bring you out of your kind of social malaise there, right? So typically you want one of those things to happen to check the chemistry box. But here's the thing. It's when two or more of those overlap where you really start to sense chemistry taking place. So just think about people either you're currently dating or people you've dated in the past. Or even think about people in your friend group right now. Are there people where that crosses, uh, where you check off more than one of those boxes? Okay? That's probably chemistry. Um, and that might be a good indication for us to go, ooh, okay. Mm, oh, I mean, I guess I could see. Because those are the things that are going to be there on the days when it's boring, that's going to spice up things. Uh, you've been married, you know, 10, 50, whatever years. Okay, so chemistry, character, chemistry. And then the final thing is this it's competency. Competency. So are they consistent? Do we have chemistry and competency? Uh, uh, Here's the thing. You go, uh, I'm pulling in life at a certain threshold. Are you matching me or exceeding me? Uh, I'm running this fast in life. Are you keeping pace with me? What you want to avoid there is someone you feel like you have to drag along in life in all areas. The idea of being equally yoked in the New Testament, you want to find somebody who's equally yoked with you, that kind of friend, because two oxen would kind of get under and there would be this yoke that would go on them, and then they would pull and they would plow a field together. And if one of them was substantially stronger than the other, the plow would get all wonky. You'd have like uh, an angled ground pathway or something like that. It'd just be weird. So the idea here is that we're equally yoked, that as I'm pursuing Jesus, you're pursuing Jesus. As I'm pursuing order in my life, you're pursuing order in your life. As I'm, if I, as I'm trying to set career goals, you're trying to set career goals. As I'm thinking about my speech and my language and the way I interact with people, you're also on board with me. What you want to avoid at all costs is the thing where you're the spiritual leader and they're always the spiritual follower, right? And you're always leading and they're always following. At no point are they ever kind of challenging you to be a better leader. What you want is two spiritual leaders, uh, ideally where the husband is kind of 1A and the wife is 1B and there's kind of an order to the way that you do things, but you're both pulling at the same rate. So if you're dating somebody and there's character, you're like, check. And there's chemistry and you're like, check. But you feel like you're always pulling them along to every date. That's probably an indication that this isn't kind of the thing that's moving forward. So how do I continue moving forward after the first date? Is there character? Is there chemistry? Is there competency? Finally, this. Okay, let's say we've been on several of these dates. Um, And, like, I really like this person. We were really good friends, and, um, man, we've been dating for a while, and people are starting to see us, and they're, like, using the boyfriend-girlfriend language. You're like, yeah, I guess that's kind of where we're going, and, right, you're just kind of in that situation. And I'll tell you, it's so funny. When you first start to have the conversations about marriage when you're dating, because I'll just go ahead and tell you this. For me, it was like, man, I cannot believe we are dating. Like, that's crazy. I just didn't think I would ever find somebody like you in my lifetime. 
and then I'm having a conversation about marriage with you, and I'm thinking about all these adult things. I can't believe we're having this conversation. I can't believe I'm in a, like, Jared somewhere looking at rings, right? I can't believe I'm renting a tuxedo. I can't believe I'm walking down this aisle, right? I can't believe I'm saying I do. I can't believe we've been married 16 years. Like, you're just like, it's it's kind of overwhelming, but here's what I think you will discover when you're ready to start having that conversation. When you know that that person you've been dating is starting to become a friend who's closer than a brother, uh, and there's four tests you can kind of walk through. So think about your friends or maybe people you've been dating and kind of filter it through this. So number one, it's the known and loved test or the know and love test. You can say about this person, they really know me and they really love me. Like, they really know me. Know me. There may be, even be a bathroom situation, right? Uh, I, I tell this story about one of my friends. Uh, um, I, I won't use his name in case he watches this later. Uh, sorry, you know who you are. Um, first date with his now wife. Uh, he drove this car, an older car, um, and the... the uh, the the door didn't work on the driver's side. It was like there's a wreck, and so it just crumpled. So he had to get in and out on uh, the passenger side. So they go on the first date. He explains it to this girl. Hey, sorry, whenever we get out of this car and I'm going to drive, I have to get in and I have to get out, right? And um, so just there's going to be that process. She's like, okay, cool. So they go to this restaurant. And he was like, again, classic overachiever is like, let's try someplace like new and fresh, okay? So he tried some ethnic food, and um, uh, it didn't go well in the tummy area for him. But he was just like trying to be a man. He's like, just hold it. We'll be fine. So they get in the car, and they're driving home. Uh, And he just explodes all over the car. And now she has to get out, and he's got to walk over her. And it was a really bad situation. And to his credit, she was like, it happens. And so she helped him, like he went inside, and she cleaned everything up. Yeah, like, put, put on the hazmat suit, right? She was like, this virus came from somewhere, and she was ready to go. And she cleaned everything up and kind of... She found out he was sick, and so she went to Walgreens and got him stuff and took care of him, made him chicken noodle soup, took care of him for the weekend. Again, broke the three-hour limit rule. I'm really disappointed in her. No. And he told me later on, he's like, that's when I knew. Like, she knew me and loved me, I mean, just so well. I could see myself being, you know, in my 80s and her taking care of me, right? And so when you get to that point where, like, they know me and they love me and, and they serve me and all that stuff, that, that's when you know I, I think we're ready to move on. Again, it's not perfect. They're not perfect in that, but you, you'll just get a sense. You'll know. They know you. They love you. Number two, the time test. It's going to take time. Uh, it's probably going to take longer than six months. Um, we notice around here that people at the table, uh, we, we call it the time test. It's six months. That's when people either step in deeper or then they're like, yeah, we're going to try to find another church in Orlando, which is totally fine. That's okay. But it's the time test. Do I get to see them in all seasons? I know their character is good in summer, but is it also good in fall? Okay. Is it also the same in winter? Is it the same in spring? Uh, Do they pass the time test? Do I have enough data points to know that this is who they are? And once they pass the time test and it's been long enough, you go, okay, I think this might be my person. Number three, the grace and truth test. 
Jesus in John 1, 14, when he's being described, says that he came to dwell among us and he, he lived in grace and truth. And again, that's that model of friendship. And so does this person you're dating, do they express a combination of grace and truth with you? Or think about it like this. Do they know me so well that they know when I'm having a bad day and I'm complaining? They know not to correct me about my whining and complaining, but to just have compassion on me. And do they know when I'm just kind of being a jerk about things that this is the time where they need to go, okay, I need to challenge you a little bit more on this because of who Jesus is. Uh, Do they know when to to practice grace and truth in an increasingly consistent way? And again, that makes you feel better known and better loved. And finally, the complimentary test. Are there things about their life that just seem to fit you because you don't have them or you know you need them? Like, are there things about your life that just seem to fit them and you almost start to get a sense that there's like a teamwork thing going on? Like, you go, man, I'm really good at shooting. You're really good at playing defense, okay? Or I'm really good at talking. You're really good at connecting. I'm really good about dreaming big. You're really good about figuring out the details. I get really nervous. You get really bold, right? Um, I make an awkward uh, joke. You know how to pull me aside and correct me. I know that on most days I need humor and you know how to tell a good joke, right? I love and appreciate beauty and you know how to be beautiful. Like there are just these things about them that seem to complement. And you start to have this kind of conversation where you go, it's as if there's a God in heaven who designed us with each other in mind. Like we're these two lost puzzle pieces that fit together. We seem to complement one another. And so when you feel fully known and fully loved with them, and when it's, you felt fully known and fully loved for, for a while, it's past the time test, and when they just seem to know how to speak grace and truth into your life, and when you feel like there's a complimentary piece there, here's my get, best guess, is that's your person. And when it's them, this is what you say. Hey, I'd really like to talk about exploring marriage. I'd really like to, to talk about this. Now, I talked with you guys about kind of how that was for me and Natalie. You know, we dated, I mean, that photo, we saw you there. In fact, can we throw that photo of me back up, right? Okay, so this was us 18 years ago, and we dated, and then like a month later, we broke up uh, because I was a toxic friend, and she needed to set a boundary. And so we got back together after a period. We dated for another year, and over that year, we cultivated friendship. And then I broke up with her. Because it was so consistent, I was scared that uh, it was boring. (laughs) And I realized that boring is consistency. Consistency breeds momentum. So finally, we got back together. And I remember where I was. We, uh, you know, we're in Waco, Texas. And I just, you know, I knew. We got back together, and I just knew that she passed that for me. I mean, we'd been together two and a half years at that point. And I was like, man, uh, or I guess a year and a half at that point. And I said, "Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, th- I think this is it. And so for us, this is how it all kind of came together. I said, listen, what do you think about getting married? And I was like, I'm open to it as soon as we graduate. And I was like, okay, what kind of ring do you want? <laughs> and it's very practical at that point. Once you know, it's all practical details. And she's like, oh, okay, ring. Uh, we didn't have Google, so I couldn't, I mean, we had Google, but no one used it, right? Uh, it was just like, uh, you know, weird comics that you'd go on and weird stuff. So I was like, okay, man, where's, where's you know, so I remember we're in this mall, and I, I'm, it's so funny to me saying this because I've been here with a lot of the couples who've just gotten engaged. We're at this mall, and we're walking, 
and I go, hey, let's go into this ring store. I mean, there's no smoothness about this at all. It's just like, okay, cool. There's a sale at Gap. There's a ring store. Let's walk in. And I was just like, ah, uh, trying to think of a way. And I was like, hey, what ring do you want? And she was like, I want this, and then I want this, and I want this. And I said, okay. And then we walked out. And I went later by myself, and I priced out what it was going to be. And then my eyes popped out of my head. And then I picked them back up and put them in my head and was like, okay. And I called my dad, and I was like, hey, man, I'm going to buy a ring for Natalie. What do you think? And my dad was like, awesome. Like, that's great. And so my dad was a Christian by this point. And so he's like, great, that sounds amazing. So I, uh, I remember I drove to Dallas, Texas, and I went to, this, uh, I went to this place, the World Trade Center in Dallas. Um, and I went to this store in the World Trade Center in Dallas. And I said, that's the ring I want. And they were like, this is the ring. And I'm telling you, in that moment, I, I kind of crossed this milestone in my life where I went, this is real. This is happening. Like I am coming up with a plan and proposing and getting a photographer and this is going to happen. And so I drove back and I took the ring and I put it in my closet in the same space where I built the shrine to Natalie. That's where I store. There's nothing more scarier than buying the ring and having it in your pocket. You almost get motivated to like, I got to propose today. You feel so impulsive. You know, there's a date on a calendar, but you're just like, I have a ring. You just want to say it all the time. Like, but I put it in the thing and I kind of did the thing. And, um, you know, I, you know, June 12th of 2003, I, at midnight, I walked upstairs in Natalie's second floor apartment with a guitar and my suit on. Uh, and I played her this song that I wrote, uh, had been writing since I was a freshman in college for my future wife. And I sang it to, and, and, and sang the song to her. All her neighbors came outside and were looking and were like, wow. And she was shocked. And I proposed, I got done playing the song, got down on a knee and proposed. And she said, yes. And then we started planning a wedding. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And it took us forever to plan a wedding. And I'll do a whole nother message series on that later. But, but here's what was going on in my head in that whole moment and why this is so important for us. The reason that buying a ring was so scary to me. In fact, even the reason that I broke up with Natalie over spring break and why it was so scary to me. And the reason why getting dressed in a tuxedo and having a guitar and singing in front of her was so scary to me is because there was a weightiness to that decision because I knew this was going to be the person with me for the rest of my life. Dating is not something you just do casually. It's this intentional process with God at the center. And that if you do it well, it will lead you to this point of looking eyeball to eyeball across the table for another person and realizing you're my person. And that decision is going to affect the rest of your life. It's going to determine the kind of jobs you get, it's going to determine when you have kids and bring them into this world, either through birth or through adoption. It's going to determine where you live and where you don't live. It's going to determine what kind of church you go to. It's going to determine what kind of car you buy and what kind of house you own and where that house is located. It's going to determine every other decision in your life. And so I want to encourage you here today, if you're someone who's thinking about jumping in this process of dating with someone, to walk in with holiness, and with a respect for the process. And I want to promise you, if you will seek Christ in the middle of all of this, I think it's very possible he might, in this next season, lead you to your person. And who knows what he might do from there. He might make a way where you say right now, there is no way I am dating in Orlando because that's just what Jesus does. He loves family and he loves discipleship and he might bring it together. So let me pray for us right now.